Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 19 of Farscape. I yench, you yench. Okay, very charmed here. Okay. In that this terrible title heralds a really good episode. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's very charmed in that it's basically a giant ripoff of a movie. I mean, the hostage situation at the worst possible moment, I wouldn't say it's a specific movie ripoff, I would say it's a trope. Oh, I meant not exactly the twist, but, you know, what, what is it Dead by Dawn? Oh, uh, Dusk Till Dawn? Dusk Till Dawn. Spoilers for Dusk Till Dawn, it's been like 40 years, Oh right? yeah, Are we in the clear for that? We're, we're in the clear to say it, totally. Okay, specifically a hostage situation where it turns out that the hostages are actually giant monsters. Like, and you don't find out about it, except obviously the monsters that we're dealing with are, you know, Rigel and Dargo. So you're saying this is like from dusk till dawn from the point of view of the vampires. Yes. Huh. That is this episode. This episode is Dusk Till Dawn from the View of the Vampires. As if we had been following the vampires in their vampiric lives up to this point. I I really like that analysis of this. I really think of this as being much more like Pulp Fiction. Mm. Because Pulp Fiction, uh, speaking of things that are free to spoil at this point <laughs> because they're so very, very old. Um, Pulp Fiction has the two people who are going to rob the diner and our characters end up there after we followed them, you know, through the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I guess this is an established trope. But I, I think it's done really well here. And especially the titular Yench devices, like, they give it a really uh, nice twist, I think. So I get the impression from the discussion we had about this earlier that this is supposed to be, like, Rigel's why they don't kick him off the show moment. Like, this episode is supposed to kind of be a justification for Rigel still being a character that people are okay with being on Moya. Well, I mean, I don't know if that was their plan when they did this episode. I just said, you know, re-watching it, I'm like, ah, that is Rigel showing his value, because I... I feel like this is a good episode for Rigel as far as him being a member of the team. Possibly the only good episode as far as Rigel being a member of the team that we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, it, it doesn't balance out for me. I'm sorry, this one episode does not do enough to rescue Rigel from the garbage heap of space. I'm not, look, I'm not saying we shouldn't airlock Rigel. I'm just saying I feel like he proved his worth in this 45-minute chunk like was wasn't it last episode that they all nearly got killed because he was too busy having sex with the evil fish lady despite not being a body breeder which i know we need to just let go at this point but we talked last week about how we just need to let it go yeah um i will not blame anyone for getting honey potted which is basically what happened okay Ooh, turning honey pot into a verb is Makes it sound really gross. <laughs> Isn't it kind of gross even without... I'm sorry. God! I... Honeypot is a gross term. God, I never really thought about what a gross term that is. Oh my god. 
I know this is a few seasons back at this point, but remember, the first season does basically end with him being like, hey, I'm going to sell out everyone to the Peacekeepers because maybe they won't kill me. Yeah. Completely unprompted by anything. He's yeah. just assuming if he sells them. So, I'm like, even with this episode being like, look, Rigel's actually good at negotiating, I'm like, is that really enough of a reason to not... You don't even have to airlock him. You could just drop him off at a commerce planet or whatever. He's good at negotiation. He could find his way back. Yeah, he can negotiate his own way back to Hyneria. Yeah. Which, is that even his goal anymore? I mean, I know it's his vague goal in the long term, but... Well, he knows that he needs to raise an army in order to take back his throne from his uh, cousin. So that's that's the issue. Well. Oh. That's why he, he talked about going with Dargo to uh, to the Luxon homeworld and getting an army of Luxons to come with him. Okay, dude. I'm sure that'll work out for you. Well, he would pay them. Oh, no, I meant more Luxons suck at everything. You've only met... Dargo and that lady who Dargo sexed to death. And I, 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 would, I would venture to say that she is very good at what she does, since what she did was, like, suck all of the life out of Moya and make herself young again. She's not Xan, though. It's not like that. I mean, Rigel's people are, like, a galaxy-spanning empire. How... She, she is like Xan, though, because she was a mystic. No, I, I know, but, like... She would have to do that to a lot of planets. I don't get the impression that the Luxons are enough of a force to even put a dent in the Hylerian Empire. Oh, oh, you mean she couldn't go and, like, kill a bunch of people with sex the way Xan did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would be ha- she would have to have, like, a planet-destroying vagina in order for that to be worth I it. I mean, it's, she's not Emma Swan. God... <laughs> Ayinch Yuyinch, Farscape, Season 3, Episode 19. As uh, as you'll recall, last episode, the gang got reunited, and it's super sad. Reunited, and it does not feel good, because... Alternate John is dead. See, that's funny. I was about to say real John is dead, but alternate John is... Alternate John has been called up to the big show. He's real John now. Yes. Scar Joe, as we were calling him, because he was the John with the scar. Because both Johns were equally real, except now one's totally dead, so. Eh. And Aaron was having sex with the one who was totally dead, and more importantly, emotions with the one who was totally dead. Yes. So now she's in this awkward position where there's a guy who, for all intents and purposes, is her dead boyfriend, but isn't. Yeah. But that's not really the point of this episode at all. No, no, not at all. We're not going to deal with those feelings. Um, last week, we met the other crew, and basically the only member of the other crew that survived was the Scarin, who is trying to convince Jewel to leave this ship with him, since everyone on this ship is terrible. By the other crew, you mean just another crew out there who, like... Right, right, yes. Not not, not the half of the crew that split off. Exactly. Although they did re-meet again. <laughs> but, yeah, there were a bunch of strangers on the ship last episode, and all of them died or left or whatever, only leaving, uh... What would you, what would you say is his deal? I, I don't want to use the word neutered exactly, but... Well, he's he's a Scarin, but his, uh... Heat. Thing got his, cut heat, out. his heat gland has been cut out, yeah. So, 
a Skarin that can't do the big scary things a Skarin can do. Yeah. I, I guess he still would be pretty hard to kill because you have to shoot them like a billion times, but he can't do like the mind stuff or the heat rays or whatever. And they're near a medical facility, so I'm wondering if he is hoping to get his heat gland restored somehow. Mm-hmm. Also, Jewel still has an eye patch from last episode because apparently that was something that happened to the actress. The actress suffered an actual eye injury. Yeah. Hey, it happens! It, it does. It, it just felt like a weird trope thing that at the end of the episode she just randomly had an eye patch. And then they just kind of waved it off with, oh yeah, that happened, I guess, in the final scuffle. No, no, I think she said she got, like, uh, exploded. Ex- remember there was the one guy who was exploding? I think she got some of him in her eye. God. So, yeah, he he wants Jewel to leave with him because, I mean, why should she stay? She has no alliance with these people. Seriously, and her life's been sort of a living nightmare the entire time on Moya, so. Yep. So, now, just so we're clear, the ship that they're com- that's coming, that they're gonna, that the Scarron's gonna get on and that he's trying to bring Jewel on, is an unarmed medical facility with 600 people on it. Mm. I'm just... I, I hope nothing bad happens to this ship full of innocent people. I'm just saying, this is a really dark episode. Not accidental genocide dark. 600 people! literal b- millions of people okay. I- i'm just saying all right it's it's less it's it's less dark than different destinations i'm just saying farscape has set the bar pretty high for you know dark episodes that is fair that's fair it's a whole episode about them trying and failing to save women and children from being murdered on mass yep yep Anyway, John's deal is that he wants to go to the command carrier and just take out Scorpius one-on-one. That's his plan. And last episode, he implied that he was going to go do this on his own. He wasn't asking anyone to risk themselves, but they're all going with him. You knew they were going to. But Shiana is having a psychic vision of peacekeepers. Because I guess that's just a thing that she does now. Yeah, this is a thing. Does this come up ever again? I mean, I already said no, and it already has become a thing again. So, I don't know. Chiana's just psychic now. We'll just accept it. Okay. Okay. It seems like a lot of people in this show are psychic in ways that aren't particularly helpful ever. I know. She's like, I see that the peacekeepers are going to be a lot of trouble. Yeah, no shit, Chiana. Thanks, Phoebe Hallowell. <laughs> uh, so, at the space diner... Dargo and Rigel are meeting with Scorpius so that they can negotiate terms for them coming onto the command carrier. Essentially, they're going to tell Scorpius that they will give him the wormhole technology, you know, in exchange for him helping them take out the Scarens and peacefully and all that good stuff, which is, of course, a lie, but... And, of course, the place that they are deciding to have this little tete-a-tete is the logical place one would meet a... Oh, God, how would you describe Scorpius? Space tyrant, complete and total science monster guy? SNM alien scientist. Yeah, of course, the place you meet him is Space Hooters. This is more like Space Waffle House. Well, just the outfit she's wearing makes it seem like a restaurant. Oh, I think that's just Farscape. Farscape's a horny show. 
Farscape's just horny all the time. This isn't, like, a gross theme restaurant. Yeah, no, she and her husband own this place. No, this is like a mom-and-pop waffle stand. Hey, Granny made her uh, waitresses dress in sexy Little Red Riding Hood outfits in Once Upon a Time, even though Little Red Riding Hood was her granddaughter. Well, remember, she yelled at Ruby for dressing like that, but then when Ruby left, it was like, that's just what the waitresses wore. I guess after Ruby left, she was like, oh, they were not coming in here for my food. Ah. I, I miss my sexy granddaughter, so I'm going to force the other waitresses to dress sexy the way she did. No, no, no. Let's be clear about who Granny is. She misses the money that her sexy granddaughter brought in. Yes. Granny did not even mention Ruby once Ruby left. So, they all, they all... Establish that they're unarmed, but then Dargo flicks out his tongue thing because Dargo's never untongued, only unarmed. Oh, gosh, that just never comes up ever. He uses it sometimes. Okay, it should be one of his go-to things. It's, I would argue, more effective than his dumb plastic sword gun. I know that unlocks his OP ship or whatever, but, like, just in terms of stuff that's actually useful in combat, the very few times he uses his knockout tongue, it seems pretty effective. Well, so what happens here, right before we go to credits, is that Scorpius has a bunch of armed guards, even though they were supposed to come unarmed, and it's like, ah, guess what? Betrayal! And Dargo uses his tongue, and it's effective on the one guy, but there's like ten guys. And what's really effective is Rigel being like, oh, this is all bullshit. He's like, would you be would you be a deer and wait until I'm done eating before you kill me? Because I'm actually really enjoying this food. It's it's well it's well made. Does Scorpius even need these guys? Wasn't one of his things like he's got super strength sometimes? I don't think well, I mean, going one on one with Dargo, I don't know how well Scorpius would fare. Has Dargo ever beaten a named character in a fight? He's got that tongue thing. Yeah, which is really good against background guys. It's like Regina's guards in Once Upon a Time, since we're referencing Once Upon a Time a lot this episode for some reason. Like, you have this magical goddess witch queen who brings along these extra dudes whose only job is to die. Sometimes just for choreography, like in the musical episode. Yeah, sometimes she just snaps their necks to emphasize points. So, speaking of emphasizing points and doing ridiculous over-the-top things to emphasize points... Mm Mm-hmm. Scorpius only did this ambush to establish that Dargo and Rigel don't have guns. Because he figured if he came at them, guns blazing, if they were armed, this would be the moment where they'd show that they were armed. And, I don't know, that's just so very, very extra. I talk a lot about, you know, Aaron as the Lana Priya of this show, in that she's doing so much with the material that's given to her and also is gorgeous and a goddess who walks amongst us Mm -hmm. but when it comes to just making making so much drama out of nothing scorpius is the real uh regina mills of this show uh you know i i think he's the rumpelstiltskin of this show oh yeah that's fair yeah no no never mind retracted Yes, Rumpelstiltskin is also very, very... Theatrical. Very. very. <laughs> well, Robert Carlyle and Lana Perea knew what 
They knew what needed to be done to make Once Upon a Time work, and they did it to the best of their abilities, even in season seven. Which, they they did it. They did it to the most of their abilities. They could not save season seven, though. Oh, yeah. There's only so hard you can act. Oh. So, meanwhile, a Xena episode is happening in the kitchen with the bar's owner and his wife slash the waitress. Like, seriously, these people look like extras from Xena. It's very off-putting. See, the thing that I like about them... I, I, I didn't watch Xena, so this isn't affecting me. Xena is one of, like, my weird pop culture blank spaces. And by weird, I mean you would look at me, who I am, and what my age is, and be like, ah, you clearly watched a lot of Xena, but I didn't. Yeah, the only episode I believe you've seen is the one I showed you with Kalisto, because... Yeah! I mean, I feel like Kalisto is a character you would enjoy. She's basically Xena's faith. That, that is up my alley. I really, I'm, I am eventually going to watch Xena. I, what? Uh, I watched a bunch of Xena, and I don't really think it's required watching. I think there are a few really good episodes, but I don't think it's something you really need to go through all or even most of. Well, so another thing long-time uh, listeners will be aware of is that we have many, many projects that we want to do, like dream projects, that may or may not ever happen just because time is linear. Mm -hmm. But one of my dream projects is Gal Pals, a podcast about lesbian subtext in 90s pop culture. So that would be a good time for me to watch Xena, I think. Yes, that would be a good time for you to watch Xena. <laughs> But what I love about these these, these restaurateurs mm -hmm. is that this whole, like, high-pressure negotiation is happening in their dining room, and in their kitchen, they're like, ooh, if the peacekeepers like us, maybe we can become, like, a peacekeeper bar, and we won't go out of business, and this will save the restaurant! Okay. I don't know if it's just because we watched Empire Records recently. Okay, they don't have 35 full-time employees, though. That's nuts, right? Okay, so I watched Empire Records, speaking of, like, my age and demographic and nerdy whatever. I, I watched Empire Records a lot in high school, and you showed me that tweet about how they have way too many full-time employees for yeah. a store that's struggling. Maybe you wouldn't be going out of business if you didn't have 35 employees. Full-time employees! At a record store. And then last night when we watched it, because it was Rex Manning Day, I, I was like, it was like the, the the scales had fallen from my eyes. And I was like, wow, there are a lot of employees at this store. Like, I thought the weed dealer guy was just someone who was dropping off weed for the stone. Mark. For Mark. But... Like, no, he's an employee, too. He gets one of the sheets about employee conduct. Yeah, he's an employee. And, uh, and then they hire Warren at the end. The kid, the, the kid who shoplifted. The kid who threatened them all at gunpoint. <laughs> I mean, it's basically t a teen therapy space. Well, that's what, uh, that's what Lucas says at the beginning when Deborah comes in and she's like, obviously in a really bad mental place and aj wants to like chase after her and see if she's okay and lucas says it's okay she's in the store she'll be okay also he hires that lady who used to work for rex manning at the end although did they have a history or 
I think they clear, yes, they clearly had a history. And this is the kind of thing I'm talking about that I was talking about with you when we were watching the movie. It's clearly a much, well, we, we know, we know that there is a much longer cut of it out there, but I think the movie works because everything extraneous was sliced away. Like, we don't need to hear a discussion about how Debbie Mazur and Anthony LaPaglia used to date. It's clear from the way they talk and look at each other, and then him hiring her at the end is... Jesus, he does not need another employee, but yeah. Well, it might be good for him to have another adult around. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, you want to have at least one person that you can trust to lock up the store without going to Atlantic City and spending all of your day's uh, income. But yeah, I think you're right. It works because it's a movie that kind of doesn't really have a central plot so much as just a dozen subplots. Also, it's not really grounded in reality. It's just a lot of things that happen that are are just just this side of surreal. Like, it, it, each individual thing could maybe happen, but not, like, in a row like that. It's just this side of, of you know, a real film. Farscape. Man, I love that movie. Still love that movie. I I know it. I I love how she how the the nerdy girl. They reveal that she does cocaine in one one line, and then it never comes back for the rest of the movie. Well, one of the characters who was entirely cut out was her sister. So I'm pretty sure there was much more plot about it's it's speed. It's not cocaine. Yes. Just to just to just to cut off the. Uh... Well, actually. Yes. Another thing we've been watching a lot of is Bob's Burgers, because it's an adult cartoon that is kid-appropriate for when the kid is awake. hmm I just want you to know I'm imagining this episode as a Bob's Burgers plot from the point of view of the Belchers. I mean, it very well could be. Oh. Anyway, back on Moya, Jewel and Chiana are talking about the idea of Jewel leaving, and Chiana's like, but we're a family! We were all prisoners, and now we're like... A found family? And Jewel's like, no, I'm just a frozen corpse that you took so that you could strip me down for parts to bring John back to life, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Also, we don't like each other all that much. And Shannon's like, no, that's how it works. And remember how we made out on that one alien beach planet that one time for some reason, even though we don't seem to like each other very much? But Speaking of things that are just this side of uh, surreality... But Chiana's like, no, I had a vision of you dying, or rather of me mourning your death, so you have to stay here. If you go to the medical ship, you will die. And you know what? To be fair to Chiana, if Jewel went to the medical ship, she would have died. Yeah, Chiana actually cold cocks Jewel to stop her from going. Yeah. Which, okay, so just very brief side tangent off so many other side tangents. But one of my favorite Silver Age Legion of Superhero stories. Uh Uh-huh is about Saturn Girl uh, using her telepathy to force everyone to vote her in as the new Legion president. Uh-huh. And then firing everyone. Okay. Because she got a message from Dream Girl, uh, who's a precog, that the Legionnaire who went out on the mission that was coming up was going to die. And since Legionnaires are chosen randomly for missions, the only way she could guarantee that she would be the one to get the mission would be to fire everyone else. Okay. So she does that, but Lightning Lad uh, intercepts another message from Dream Girl, and he takes Saturn Girl's place and dies on the mission. 
So weirdly, that's also what happens in the contest story arc of Wonder Woman. Hmm. Because Hippolyta had a premonition that Wonder Woman would die. So that's why she stripped Diana of her title as Wonder Woman and made Artemis Wonder Woman instead. <laughs> wow. That's a pretty dick move on Hippolyta's part. Oh, it totally is. And there's and, and Diana gets some pretty cool stuff where she's like, you know, I can't believe you think I would let my sister die like that. But then, oops, she does. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It's comic books. Artemis came back. Saturn Girl actually stayed team leader after that, which she probably shouldn't have. I don't know. That feels like leadery to me. To telepathically force everyone to vote for you. Okay, no, that's bad. Okay. No, but I meant like protecting the team like that. But yeah, no, you're right. That's bad. I mean, Saturn Girl is basically more competent teenage girl Professor X in the Silver Age. Like, well, he gets to be in charge, so why shouldn't she? Yeah, she, she, I mean, she manipulates people and she uses her powers for evil, but, you know, she also gets stuff done, so. Just because she's a teen girl, we're not gonna, like, take it away from her if we let, it, if we let Charles be in charge of shit. Which we really shouldn't. <laughs> what? No, don't look at me like that, I'm just rewriting the Charles in Charge theme song in my head to be about Charles Xavier instead of Scott Baio, Charles. noted Republican. <laughs> Charles in charge of our minds and, and our, our thoughts. This, yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway. Farscape. <laughs> anyway. So peacekeepers show up and John's like, okay, we need to starburst the, the fuck out of here. Pilot says, we can't starburst. We're too close to the medical facility. If we starburst, everyone will die. And that is bad. Why? Remember how John got caught up in the starburst of... Of Moya when he first, or not John, rather. Remember how Aaron got caught in the starburst of Moya? That's how she ended up on the ship. Oh, no, I didn't remember that. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the, that's in the very first episode. That's how she ends up on the ship. So, like, Moya's, or all Leviathan's starburst have, like, a radius. And presumably Aaron was caught up in it and was okay because the prowler is so small, but the med ship is big enough that it would probably, like, rip it in part. Okay. It tracks for me with what we've seen in Moya. Leviathans don't really seem all of that capable. For all of the, you know, talking up they get and all of the, you know, oh, we have to burn Moya so that she can't be at... She, you she, would burn Moya! You would burn Moya! But you need to burn her. Did she need to be pregnant? Did Talon need to be attacked by Aaron's mom somehow? That's... Still doesn't make sense, given how competent we see Aaron's mom being in the rest of the run. Mm, yeah. But, like, it doesn't really feel like Leviathans are all that good at what they do, even when they're running at full capacity. Well, Talon is only half Leviathan, so he levels his cannon and takes aim at the Peacekeeper ships. <laughs> Maybe giving the baby a tank wasn't a good idea. What? Anyway, Jewel is super pissed at Chiana because she's like... If you had let me go and not cold-cocked me, I would be on the med ship and not on this ship that's about to go to war with the peacekeepers. And Crace is like, hey, Talon, just wipe them out. I know you're a baby with a cannon. Just wipe out the peacekeepers. Murder everyone. And he does super easily. Uh, yeah. Aaron is like, pilot, what's the status of the peacekeeper ships? And pilot's like, they literally don't exist anymore. They're dead, Jim. Yep. 
Yep. And then Talon's like, oh wait, there's still one more ship, I better take out that ship. And of course it's the med ship. And for some reason Talon ignores Krace when Krace is like, Talon, don't blow up the med ship. And Talon's like, yeah, I'm gonna blow up the med ship. Yeah. And so then that happens. Talon blows up the med ship, kills the peaceful 600 people and the Scarin who are on board the ship. And Jules freaking out because she's like, they're dead. So many people are dead. This is your fault, Grace. And Grace is like, mm, okay, whatever. Yeah, salute to the dead, whatever. Let's move on. Our hearts will go on. And Chiana's like, Jesus Christ. Jules like, Chiana, if you're going to be a psychic, can you be a psychic that's useful and not a psychic in like the worst possible way? Hey, she stopped you from dying. So that's like negative a thousand points for Chiana. No, I I don't want Jewel to die. I just don't want her to be on the show anymore. So Talon shut himself down and is refusing to talk to Crace, and Moya won't starburst away as long as she can't be in contact with her her boy, Talon. So yeah, everything's pretty pretty fucked right now. Moya's kind of like a mom in a zombie movie who ignores her kid until her kid gets zombified. Actually, I feel like she's more like Angel in Angel. And Talon got kidnapped, just like Connor did, very young, and was then raised by Crace, a person who was probably not the best influence on a young gunship. And when Talon came back to her, he had to deal with what he had seen and done, and he was not prepared to do that. And... Spoilers for both the end of this episode and the end of Angel. The solution in both cases was to wipe their memories and basically start from scratch. I was thinking more because Moya only ever seems protective of Talon when he's actively hurting the people around him. Oh, yeah. Like, she generally doesn't seem like she cares what Talon is up to or doing unless he's actively trying to kill them. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's fair, because it's more like Talon was out of her control the soon as he was born, because, of course, he's a toddler with a cannon. Mm. Anyway, back in the space diner, back at Space Waffle House, Rigel's like, okay, so we're gonna go to your command carrier and give you information about wormholes, but we need to know that you're not gonna just kill us. So, Scorpius produces these Yench bracelets, Dargo and Braca both put on these bracelets. They cause whoever is wearing one to feel whatever happens to the person who's wearing the other. So if Dargo's wearing the bracelet and he gets punched, Braca feels the punch. Dargo feels it too. They both feel it. And if Dargo is killed, Braca dies. Oh yeah, we know Scorpius would never sacrifice one of his minions to get what he wants. Okay, to be fair, Rigel says that. Yes. Yeah, he's like, Braca will wear it and John will wear it. And Rigel's like, hold the fuck up. You'll wear one and John will wear one or no deal. Remember in the G.I. Joe episode of Community? When it was revealed that, like, Jeff Winger brings the ability to kill to the G.I. Joes? Uh, no. Not exactly that, no. When they're going up against the character Professor Duncan was, Mm -hmm. he revealed that the thing that got Cobra to hire him was that he has a twin brother he has a psychic connection with and they feel each other's pain. And Jeff was like, 
okay, but why would that stop me from hurting you? And and Professor Duncan was like, because it would hurt my twin brother and he's completely innocent. And Jeff just shoots him in the knee. And, and then we see, like, a waiter. <laughs> yeah. It smash cuts to a waiter who's trying to take an order and then his knee just blows out and he's like, ah, damn it! Are, are you saying that Braca is the waiter in this scenario? Yes. Braca is the waiter in this scenario. Anyway, uh, while they're having this discussion, a, a bunch of a bunch of criminals come in with guns to to take the place hostage. I know what's a good place to rob. This random ass diner in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, that diner in Pulp Fiction doesn't seem like it's going to give a lot of money either. Mm. So. They're like, okay, first we're going to rob all these people. And all of the people are like, yeah, we don't have any money. Okay, so you know how the diner people, according to me, are basically just kind of extras from Xena? Uh-huh. These robbers are, uh, granted I am not overtly familiar with this show, but they're basically bad guys from Power Rangers is the vibe I'm getting here. Okay, again, I didn't watch Power Rangers, but yes, I, I get that vibe. But this is like... This is like the wrong diner on the wrong fucking day, these guys. Seriously, because these guys are like, oh, we're going to take you hostage and we're going to take all your money and all your stuff and then we're going to kill you because we're the baddest space bandits this side of space Tulsa. Yep. So they slap the, the cook, the guy who owns the place, and he's like, why did you hit me? And, dude. It's a robbery. Well, but also he's, like, totally blowing his cover because, spoiler, he hired these guys to rob him and burn the place down for the insurance. Not knowing, of course, that... I'm sorry. Who's giving out insurance <laughs> space to... Insurance. Space insurance. to businesses in the uncharted territories, the wild west of space. Who's doing this? I'd assume that the only insurance-esque thing would be mafia people taking cuts of your, like... I mean, I would read, like, a book series about that insurance adjuster in the Uncharted Territories. I think, uh, who is that guy from Firefly who ended up being, like, super right-wing in real life? Adam Baldwin? Yeah, I... Sadly... I got a uh, a sample of his audiobook for free uh, back when I had Audible. This is not an advertisement for Audible. I haven't used it in, like, years. But I got a sample of his audiobook for free because it sounded intriguing because that was basically the concept. It was mm. this, like, sci-fi insurance adjuster, but it was just this aggressively right-wing thing, which I guess I should have expected. Mm-hmm. I, it just, I saw, oh, hey, it's a guy from Firefly, and he wrote a book about this kind of fun-sounding sci-fi concept, and then it was all about how space soy boys are ruining space, and, like, if you study feminism at college, then your planet's gonna be taken over by bug creatures, and I'm like, are you trying to be the next L. Ron Hubbard? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Okay, that sounds terrible. I guess that's basically a lot of right-wing literature, though. Well, there's a real libertarian streak through a lot of modern sci-fi. Mm. So I could see that, but 
I, I, I don't want to think about that. I want to think about Dirk Danger Jackson, insurance adjuster to the uncharted territories. Wasn't just a sci-fi thing though, right? Like, wasn't, was it like sort of truth or whatever? It was about like this amazing super capitalist guy who like, but it was like a fantasy story. I am unfamiliar with that story, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear that there's also a libertarian streak running through modern fantasy. Well, I mean, I think it was in the 70s or whatever. Mm. Because he fought fantasy communists. Maybe the 60s or 50s, possibly. I don't know. There's so... (laughs) Sci-fi and fantasy writers live a really long time and they write a lot, so... So, in the 70s, sci-fi literature, at least, not necessarily films, but literature, was a lot more kind of cerebral and, like, what is reality... And, like, what is, like, like examining concepts of morality and mortality through the lens of aliens in space, which I bring up because back on Moya, they're talking about what to do with Talon, and Moya starts freaking out because they're talking about killing Talon, and Kreis is like, no, no, we'll just, we'll just have his memory wiped, and... Chiana's like, okay, but what is a person if not their collection of memories and experiences? In what way is this not killing Talon? Oh, but I thought sci-fi needed to be uplifted by a literature guy who came in and... Oh, God, remember that guy? Yeah, I mean, I know that's what you're talking about. But for our (laughs) listeners who don't know who Max is subtweeting here, Mm. that guy who came out, he was like a literary guy, and he was like, okay... Sci-fi is just, like, action and stuff, but I came up with a really interesting concept. What if a robot felt love? Yeah. It was... <laughs> oh, my God. This was a few years ago, but I just remember it being this big thing because it was this guy who was, you know, from high literature circles. And, like, just the arrogance of him talking about how he's like, I'm I'm elevating a genre that's all about rocket boots and pew pew spaceships and i'm making it about what it means to be a person like that is in every other goddamn episode of star trek well it's like this is just a thing that like tech bros do like they accidentally reinvent the bus every two months on twitter where they're like wait what if there was an uber that went on a designated route and you could like wait for it at that route or you know these guys that I don't I don't know if this has filtered down to the internet that you are on, but on my part of the internet, this has been some serious drama. The guys who bought the domain knitting.com. No. Okay. Okay. Y'all who don't know about this. So these two tech bros realized that the domain knitting.com was available. No one was using it. So they were like, you know what the knitting community doesn't have? An online gathering space. But these guys don't knit. They don't, they don't know. They're like, the only place knitters have to go is like Amazon. And so they bought this domain and they were like, you know, the space is basically just a bunch of grandmas with their like granny glasses sitting by the fire doing like whatever, we're bringing it into the 21st century, and all of the knitting community, which, by the way, is very online, and is filled with people of all genders and ages, were like, 
Okay, you two need to have, like, all of the seats. You need to, like, back the fuck up. Well, you you remember that thing a few... God, we will get back to Farscape at some point. You remember that thing a few years back where that guy was talking about how he didn't like that his girlfriend was into knitting because it seemed... He's, he was talking about how, you know, she's she claims that she's a feminist and that she's so progressive... But she started knitting, and a lot of women in her circles are knitting, and I think it's because they have this base desire to return to a more palatable femininity. And my favorite response, because there were so many responses dunking on him, like, dear God, please show this to your girlfriend. But my favorite one is, I will knit you a fucking coffin. Listen, listen. Anyone who's listening to us who is not a knitter or a crocheter or who doesn't do something of this nature let me tell you why there are so many knitters who are millennials gen gen z gen y it's an amazing fidget habit if you have adhd it is like the best fidget habit that is why we are all knitting all the time farscape what is what is uh, uh, what is a life, right? If you erase all of your memories and experiences, what is a life? Eh. I mean, it's Talon. He's been awake for, like, what, a couple of months in universe? Who remembers the first couple of months of being alive? He's basically just a toddler who's been whizzling around space shooting a giant gun at people. <laughs> Those aren't exactly quality memories he'll be losing. Yeah, so Pilot's gonna go talk to Moya alone, just the two of them, because they're all bonded, and be like, yeah, we need to we need to talk about Talon. If we still did episode titles that weren't just the title of the episode, I think this one would be We Need to Talk About Talon. Are you there, God, it's me, Talon. Oh, I was thinking about We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just... Anyway, so Rigel is negotiating at the hostage situation. He's... he's swapping up well he's he has realized what we said before that this is actually like an insurance scam and the the robbers the robbers are like wait we have peacekeepers now we can we can do something for more money than the insurance scam we're making up as we go that always works out well in crime situations i I mean, I get it, these guys aren't the sharpest bulbs in the shed, but I know we've captured a high-ranking member of this giant fascist murder organization. Clearly, this can only go well for us. Oh. That's, that's not the best logic out there? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they're all yelling at each other, all the criminals and and the cook, about who told Rigel what was going on. And clearly it's not that we are so inept that he just figured it out. And also, by the way, the wife didn't know that this was going down, and she is not pleased. She is not pleased with this. This is their home. This is their business. This is their life. You can't just destroy it for money. Okay, I mean... This is a terrible idea, and she's right to point out that it's a terrible idea. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Back on Moya, John and Aaron are talking about what should be done about Talon, and, like, this is really... Y'all are really out of the chain of decision here. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, this is, uh... They just really needed Ben Browder and Claudia Black to have some scenes in this episode. I mean, to be fair, Aaron has a bond with Moya and with Talon that nobody else has, so it makes sense that Aaron would go and be the one who communicates to Moya. She's honestly more of a mom to Talon than Moya's been. She was co-parenting him with Grace. Is that how we do... That's how we describe it, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Pilot tells them that Moya doesn't think that they should lobotomize the baby that he'll heal himself and just get over being a giant murder machine yeah this is just these are just the terrible twos and aaron's like okay well now i need to talk to moya and she's like moya you know me i lived inside of talon and also was his mother and he saved my life i saved his life you know that also like, I have pilot DNA inside of me, so you and I have a weird bond. Uh, no, this is not tenable. We, we need to, we need to wipe his memory. We need to, we need to park Talon on top of the giant magnet and start over. And, like, it doesn't really feel like it's that big of a deal at this point. I mean, it's, I guess it's not great to hit the hard restart on your kid. Most of what you'll be erasing from Talon at this point is trauma. Yeah. Like, has anything good happened to Talon in the however many months he's been alive? No, probably not really. I'm, like, thinking back on it. Oof. Anyway. Not like... And being a baby is horrifying enough in the first place. He's a baby who's been, like, horribly tortured. Oof. Yeah, he, he got real beat up by that retrieval squad. Somehow. Anyway, it's Space Waffle House. The criminals are deciding that they're going to hold Scorpius for ransom. And he's going to call the peacekeepers and get a ransom. And Scorpius is like, um, this is Rigel, the Dominar of Hyneria. So you should definitely take him hostage instead. We all know what Dominars are. We all know what Hyneria is. I mean, I guess it is a galaxy-spanning empire, which... Okay, so I'm stuck here because on one hand, I feel like... Rigel's plot should be more focused around getting an army or whatever because he has to defeat a whole empire, basically, right? To regain his throne. Yeah, essentially. But also, I don't want Rigel to have plots. Oh. So. So, back on Moya, Talon uh, takes aim at Moya and starts firing because... He doesn't want to have a lobotomy. Hey, fair. Fair. Yeah. 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 But, but maybe, maybe the whole, maybe the whole he'll heal himself before he causes too much damage thing is, uh, not accurate. No. But at the diner, the, uh, the criminal guys, the, they're blue. We didn't mention that they're blue. The blue man group? Uh, or the blue meanies? Uh, blue man group or blue meanies? Blue meanies. Okay. So the blue meanies are like, have, have attacked you know, everyone, and Braca is about to lose consciousness, and if he loses consciousness, Dargo loses consciousness, and that is bad, because they have the Ienge bracelets. <laughs> the Ienge bracelets. They have the Yench bracelets. So, Dargo's, like, smacking him, like, stay awake! Don't lose consciousness! And... Rigel's trying to negotiate them to get them some water, so, you know, they'll stay awake, I guess. I guess I, like, throw it in his face or something. I mean, if it were, like, a... Does this ever come up again, the Peacekeeper heat thing? Yeah, it does. Okay. You'd think they'd have suits that could 
automatically cool themselves, right? You think that would be one of the first things you would invent if you were like a fascist military society that had a weakness to heat? Okay, so one of the reasons that I know for a fact that it comes up again later is that we're going to see Aaron in Scorpius's suit because that's what his suit is. Right. Everybody gets in Scorpius's suit at some point in this show. We've already had Rigel and John. Okay, I guess not everyone. I guess just Rigel and John and Aaron. So the Blue Meanies are like, yeah, we don't care if everyone dies as long as we have Rigel the Dominar to, to ransom off. And uh. then I really don't love this runner rigel has fear farts and since they're all heliumy, everyone's high-pitched now because <laughs> yeah there's yeah. a reason gene is my least favorite of the belcher children yeah i don't think fart jokes are funny the one in catcher in the rise a little funny it's kind of funny but like fart jokes it, it's it, it's just it's more lazy than anything else it's really lazy, and I really expect better from Farscape. So, Especially given all the cool mm-hmm. stuff they drop from the early episodes. When When is the last time the DRDs got to do anything? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, no, they guarded that Peacekeeper last episode. So one of the Blue Meanies is like, hey, I've got an idea. How about we go with the original plan, don't kill anyone, and just burn this place down? And the other Blue Meanie is like... We're gonna kill some people. Don't be naive. So, <laughs> Rachel and Scorpius are yelling at each other for getting each other into this situation, and... But they're also, like, trying to come up with a plan. So, are all of Scorpius's men dead, or... I think all of the extras are dead, and Bracca is just near death. And Scorpius tells Rigel the code to take off the bracelet off of Bracca. I'm sorry, how much did the peacekeepers suck? There were like ten of them. They were all armed and like, what, two blue randos took them out? I thought the peacekeepers were a giant scary military organization. Well, Dargo took out one of them. With his tongue. Dargo took out one, I guess. That shows how useless they are. I mean, these weren't real, these weren't actual, like, Black Ops Retrieval Squad peacekeepers. They were just whoever didn't have anything to do that day who could put on the uniform and pretend to wave guns around so that Scorpius could determine that Dargo and Rigel weren't actually armed. God, it is not worth it to work for Scorpius. It really isn't. Or, honestly, any peacekeeper that we've seen. So, Rigel's telling the Blue Meanies how terrible their plan is. He's like, yeah, listen, listen... He's a peacekeeper, and his squad's gonna show up, and you can't outrun the peacekeepers. Despite what you have seen here, the peacekeepers are a formidable army. And the only way that you're gonna get away is if we go in Dargo's ship. And Dargo's the only one who can fly his ship because it requires Lux and DNA, which is true. So, uh, you better not let him die, which means you better not let Bracca die. And the Blue Meanies are like, why is this so hard? And honestly, I found this part hysterical. It was like, we're just trying to come up with a plan to ransom off a high-level military official and an exiled royal on the fly. Why, why isn't that coming easy to us? So the waitress brings out some alien soup and the main blue guy throws it on the floor and he's like, 
I don't want this crap. I'm going to eat something else. I'm going to eat you. And then he grabs her and her husband runs out of the kitchen. And he's like, hey, stop that. And he throws like a... <laughs> he goes full Donkey Kong and throws a barrel at the main blue guy. And then everyone shoots him. And his wife runs over and is like, no. And he's like, avenge me. And she's like, you want me to kill the blue meanies? And he's like, no, burn this place down. Burn this place down and live like a queen. I feel like they've lost the thread of what's going on in this situation. But like, not the show. I don't think the show has lost the thread. I think the these bumbling blue meanies have lost the thread. Well, I think the bar people have lost the thread too. The situation has not been about them for some time. Why did she even bring out the soup? I don't know. I mean, maybe she was still like trying to get a contract to be the to be the the official caterer of the peacekeepers. If we all survive this hostage situation, I hope you consider us for your next catering opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, anyway, everyone's gone over to Talon now to be like, "Hey, um, you just shot at your mom. That's bad. You should probably let us take you and wipe your." memory core and start over and make you better bad bad boy bad spaceship go to your naughty stool yeah they're gonna put talon on a timeout permanently anakin skywalker style that's very dark too dark that's maybe it's it's up to the edge of too dark was it was it uh was it better in star wars episode three because they completely killed the drama of that Anakin, I can't believe you killed all the youngkins. The younglings. I was trying to make it stupider, but I don't think that was possible. Hey, Anakin, I know you just killed a room full of toddlers, but let's suck all the drama out of this moment by calling them younglings. I mean, that movie. That trilogy. Basically, all of Star Wars, really. Except, what, the first two movies? Ugh. I mean, I'm okay with Star Wars. I don't have the issues with it. I also don't really feel like I have the emotional investment a lot of people have with Star Wars. They're fine. A few movies come out every oh God, year, year now. now. Ugh. Like, I, I'm okay with watching a Star Wars movie. I'm not going to get all emotionally invested at any point in the saga. Uh, they've killed my emotional investment. <laughs> well, I mean... I liked Rise of the Skywalkers while we were watching it, but thinking about it in any depth is not that movie's friend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, I enjoy Space Wizard bullshit, but then you think about it and you're like, this movie feels like it was kind of, I don't want to say fanservice-y, but just like, we're going to look up everything that everyone wants to happen on the internet and then try to shove that all into one thing, except no gays, except for those, uh lesbians for like a second although i do genuinely enjoy you've seen the homophobic uh, slug meme right no okay okay so you know the bit where the two background women kiss in star wars yeah <laughs> it cuts from it, it 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 pans from that to a frowning slug alien for double the screen time of the lesbian oh, kissing. Oh, yes, yes, I have seen that. You've seen the homophobic slug reaction? Yeah. 
I genuinely enjoyed that. That is the one piece of that Star Wars movie that I'm like, you know what? Also, apparently they're doing a lot of... The, the new Lego Star Wars game is doing a lot of stuff implying that Poe and Finn got together after the events of the movie. And I'm like, I guess that's nice. I don't think that the Lego Star Wars movies slash games are particularly canon, but it's nice that they're recognizing that people wanted to see them make out, even if it's in, you know... Not just wanted to see them make out, but rightly pointed out that there is no heterosexual reason for the way Poe bites his lip when he tells Finn that the jacket looks good on him. Hey, but he used to be a totally heterosexual drug dealer for some reason. Okay, let's just not talk about those movies anymore. It's making me sad. Let's talk about this sci-fi franchise instead, where Rigel tells the Blue Meanies that they have royally fucked up because he is not... I mean, he is royalty, but he's an escaped prisoner, so he's really not worth anything. Wah, wah. It turns out that they have no good hostages. Yep. Like, it's not like the peacekeepers care about Scorpius, right? Right? Anyway, so they give Rigel a gun. They point a gun at him, but they give him a gun. And they're like, okay, we'll prove that you're on our side by killing this random peacekeeper, Braca. And he's like, um... What would that accomplish? But also, Braca is tied to... Dargo, yeah. But... No, seriously, what would that accomplish? What would killing Braca accomplish at all? The Blue Minis do not know what they're doing. Not to go back to Community again. Uh-huh. But remember the uh, conspiracy theory episode of Community? Yeah, yes! At a certain point, there is no greater conspiracy. You're just doing random stuff for no reason. I mean, they're assuming that if they keep doing random stuff and, like, firing guns into random areas, then eventually they will get money. I'm an escaped, haha, joke's on you, I'm not actually a, a royal in a position of power, I'm an escaped prisoner. Oh yeah? Well, to make us trust you, shoot that guy. How do you get from point A to point B there? Not entirely sure. But Rigel's like, you know what? I'm gonna shoot Scorpius instead. How about that? And they're like, you said Scorpius was the one who was valuable. And he's like, yeah, that was seconds ago. Things have changed. And he shoots Scorpius. And then the Blue Meanies are like... Well, the the woman, the woman starts flipping out the waitress. She's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Why not just kill everyone? Why Why are we, Why? what are we doing here? What are we doing here? But while she's freaking out, she walks behind Rigel and she whispers to him where there is a knife that he can get to. See, she should have been in charge of this criminal enterprise. The first thing she would have done is not any of this. So meanwhile, John and Aaron are sad because, you know, they have to lobotomize a baby. Wah, wah. God, it's so grim when you put it like that. Is there a less grim way to put it? No, no, it's a, it's a, this is a dark episode. Like, a bunch of innocent people were killed on a hospital ship, and then, like... They lobotomize a baby. Yeah. Or, I mean, he's a toddler with a cannon. So, back in the diner. <laughs> yeah, so, back in the diner, they're, they are, in fact, trying to keep Rocco awake, because they have bought into Rigel's truth, it's, it's the truth, that... Dargo's the only one who can drive the the ship. And 
the waitress has been drinking in the back room, and the main blue guy's like, well, I'm gonna shoot you to death because... Eh. And Rigel's like, what if you didn't shoot her to death? Rigel says, I'll get you as much money as you could ever want if you just don't shoot her, which is very honorable of Rigel. But also, like, he knows that he needs her alliance, so... I don't even understand why they were gonna shoot her. Like... At a certain point, you're just doing random stuff. Anyway, Rigel tells her, go get in the kitchen and just stay there until we have dealt with these blue meanies. <laughs> and then Rigel's like, all right, well, I'm going to go behind the counter where Scorpius was. And they're like, um, we don't want you to go behind the counter out of our sight. And he's like, I need to take a death trophy from Scorpius. And they're a like, kill souvenir. And they're like, well, in that case, go for it. They call him a sick little toad, but do as he must. I'm like... I don't really feel like you're in a super good position to judge. Okay, so I kind of love this because he says to Scorpius, I'm sorry, I had to shoot you. And Scorpius is like, how did you know I was wearing body armor? And Roger's like, I assumed you were, but also I didn't care if you weren't. I don't know if you know this, but we're totally cool with you dying. Yeah. No one likes you, Scorpius. So... Scorpius, Rigel is sure that Scorpius has a weapon hidden somewhere, even though they're all supposed to be unarmed. And he does, in fact, have a single-shot rifle, so like a, a Derringer, hidden inside of the cooling compartment that holds all the rods that go into his brain. Which does not seem like a safe place to store that, but there you go. It feels like there's a lot of room for something to go wrong in that particular scenario, but nah. So Rigel gets, tells Scorpius where the knife is and then takes the, the little Derringer. And the blue meanies are like, all right, well, let's get on the ship and go. And Rigel's like, I'd rather die than go with you because you do not understand what is happening at all. So since Bracca has the code for his bracelet because Scorpius told it to Rigel and Rigel told it to Bracca, he undoes his Yench bracelet and slaps it on the ankle of one of the guys. And then they're able to, like, beat on Dargo because he is, he's, he's Dargo, so he has more, like... Uh, I thought they were making the blood run clear. No, no, he's, he's got, like, a stronger constitution than the Blue Meanies, so it's doing more damage to them when they're pounding on Dargo. Hey, remember when Regina took out her own heart and then squeezed it in order to incapacitate the evil queen? It's exactly what it is! Yes! Because, yes! Because they shared a life force, because they were basically the same person. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's... it's I mean, you brought up... Once upon a time, to make it sound silly, but it's no different than, like, Buffy throwing herself into the hell pit because she and Dawn are made of the same blood. That also didn't really... No, I, mean, I that, know, that, that I made know, no sense, I know. Like, I didn't want to admit that I don't get it, but I don't get how that works. Well, I mean, Anya points out in, what, season seven that that, that, that never made any sense. Oh. Like... I'm glad I'm not alone here. In universe, they acknowledge that it shouldn't have worked. What should have worked was like, you know, Don's blood uh, clotting or whatever, and then because it's when the bleeding stops, then that's when the portal will close. And Don's bleeding didn't stop. Buffy just killed herself, and they shared blood, so somehow that made it stop. Well, we're not gonna worry about Buffy. We, we, we do not have the time to worry about Buffy. I really like season five, and I thought the finale was really well done, but that did not make any sense. You could have rewritten that a little bit. I don't like season five, but that's, that's my own issues. Hmm. 
Mostly that I don't like villains that are so powerful that it feels like you have a sense of helplessness, which is how I feel about Glory. Okay, we, we've talked about this a lot across all of our uh, all of our podcasts, but I want to put it out there that season five, I feel like, has the strongest one-off episodes, though. And then they all come back at the end. Yes, that is that. Yeah, I agree with that statement. Also, it has the body, which is, I think, the strongest episode of Buffy. Whoa, yeah. So, uh, Farscape. Yeah, one of the blue guys gets stabbed, and he flips out, and he starts just firing wildly in a circle around him. He gets stabbed by Scorpius, who jumps up and, like, over the counter and stabs him. And then he starts, like you said, shooting at random, and then he, like, focuses on Rigel, who blasts him with his one-shot blaster thing, which I I appreciate. We talked last week about how awkward the puppet sex looked, Mm -hmm. but- the camera just zooms in on Rigel's, like, narrowed eyes, and then we see the explosion, so we don't have to see the puppet try to fire a gun. Smart. I think that was smart. Yeah, I do like how they, you know, they zoom in on the blue guy's eyes, and then they zoom in on Rigel's eyes, so it doesn't feel like a cheat shot thing. Mm-hmm. Shot, camera shot, not... Yeah. Right, right, right. So... All of the blue people are dead or dying or incapacitated in some way or another, and, uh... Yeah, so now they're going to get back to renegotiating Well, in the kitchen the woman sobs over the corpse of her dead-deceased husband. Yep. Scorpius is like, well, I guess we can trust each other now because we've survived a firefight together. And it's like, ah, no. He throws a piece of food into Rigel's mouth. And then hey, Rigel... that's, how, that's how you get on Rigel's good side. And they're all like, la- they're all like laughing to do like a freeze frame high five. And then the woman comes out and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you all? My husband is dead. <laughs> yeah. The end. It's weird because you pitched this as kind of a comedy episode to me, and I'm I, I'm not sure that's how I would describe it. It is pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty dark. There's a little more of the episode left. Everyone's reconvening after you know the meeting oh what happened to you you oh i was in a hostage situation what happened here we had to lobotomize a baby yeah now now, to be fair they didn't do that themselves they took him to like a leviathan doctor who's gonna like actually fix him or whatever and then is this just them getting talent out of the show yes but leaving the door open for him to come back and this was really the best way they could think of doing that they couldn't just go like, oh yeah, he's still really injured from, you know, his encounter with the retrieval squad. We need to hook him up. It had to be, oops, he accidentally blew up a hospital ship. I mean, honestly, it could have just been Crace deciding to... Leave. Or, yeah, or... there. I don't... This doesn't feel like a good solution to the problem of Talon. Well, it... I mean, I don't think that this is necessarily a solution to the problem of talent. I think this was a story they wanted to tell of how do you deal with this situation? Because they didn't need to come up with a way to get rid of talent. Grace could have just been like, all right, well. Bye. Bye. I, I, I don't think that this was a narrative solution. I think it was a story they wanted to tell. Okay. So Aaron and John have a conversation where Aaron's like, yeah, you're the John I was in love with, except you're not the John I was in love with, and I don't know how to deal with that. And he's like, well, what are we going to do? And she's like, 
Oh, I guess we're going to go blow up Scorpius's command carrier. Maybe one of us will die and we won't have to worry about it. Or maybe we'll fall in love doing that the way I fall in love with the other John. I mean, she doesn't say that, but you know John's uh, Either way, it. yeah. The next episode we're going to talk about is going to be Into the Lion's Den, Part 1, Lambs to the Slaughter. We have another three-parter coming up. It's the March thing. In like a lion, out like a lamb. Oh, well, I think it's just lions and lambs. Because then part two is Into the Lion's Den, part two, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. Uh. Yeah. So the description from Amazon Prime of episode 20 is, The crew must stop Scorpius's research on wormhole technology. The only way to stop him is to board the command carrier and figure a way to destroy it from within. We already know all of this. We know that that's what's happening. We knew all of this two episodes ago. So this whole episode was pointless then. I mean... You could basically have gone from last episode to the next episode and not have really missed anything. Okay, but what do you mean by pointless? I feel like this is a good standalone episode. You were just saying that Buffy Season 5 standalone episodes were good. I feel like this is a good standalone episode. I guess it's an explanation as to why Talon can't just blow the shit out of everyone. (laughs) You do need that. That's true. So... I think that that's it for the episode. We have our segments. We do have our segments. So our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you this episode. Okay. I think this is more something we made up out of what was basically a throwaway line. Space insurance! (laughs) The fact that the businesses in the uncharted territories have space insurance. I am right there with you. I love any peek into the everyday life of people in either fantasy or sci-fi settings. So, like... Space Waffle House owners burning down their Space Waffle House for the space insurance, and also, what kind of insurance adjuster has to come out to the uncharted territories and investigate for fraud? Yes, here for it. That will... Also, also, I really, really want to rewrite this episode in a Bob's Burger AU, where it's just this episode, but from the point of view of the Belchers. And obviously Bob doesn't get killed. And obviously Bob doesn't get killed. I believe that will take us to our second segment. Uh, Strange alien creatures. What creature design did you like? The only new creatures were the blue guys. And I'm going to be honest here. It's shitty Andalorians. Okay, so I'm going to cheat. Okay. And say I think it was good puppet work to zoom in on Rigel's eyes when he fired the gun. Yes, they made some good puppet choices with Rigel, but like... The blue guys were just shitty Andalorians, and Andalorians already kind of suck. (gasps) I like them in lower decks, but the makeup in real life is just awful. Okay. Okay. I feel like there's a good way to do that makeup that they just haven't done. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly, I think Andalorians are really cool. I would like to see more of them, but I feel like there's a bunch of classic Trek BS that I'd have to get through with Andalorians. Like, isn't there a thing where they have, like, a cousin race or something? And they... Andorians? Uh... I don't know what the deal with Andorians is. I don't, I don't think you need... To, I don't think you need to get through... They don't show up that frequently, so I don't think there's actually a lot of BS you have to get through. I think what we need is for Lower Decks to do more with Jennifer. Which I heard they are going to do in the next I'm season. I'm so excited for the next season of Lower Decks. Our final segment is The Wonders That I Have Seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you this episode. Nothing! Really? They had to kill Talon! And then John and Aaron had their conversation about, like, how she's in love with him, but not him, and he's in love with her, and what are they gonna do? Eh. Love to spare? Eh. 
Well, okay, so Sorry, I've, I've, got, I've got two, so there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us for this week. I believe that will do it for this week. Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.